Hey guys, I am super stoked to let you know that longtime friend of the show and all-around great dude, Christopher Moreno, has become the first regular sponsor of the Liberty Tree podcast. Chris is a realtor with Surterre Properties in Orange County, California, and he specializes in residential real estate. I have personally known Chris since I was 18 years old and can say without hesitation that he is one of the most honorable and loyal friends I have ever had. Hang out with Chris for five minutes, and you will see that other people feel the exact same way about him. He's probably one of the most likable people on the planet. I'm not exaggerating. And it is no shock to me that he's in the top 1% of realtors in Orange County. You know, we talk on this show a lot about the dismal state of affairs here in California. And from time to time, I entertain the idea of moving to another state. But at the end of the day... I always come back to the idea that I'm just too much of a stubborn prick to leave. You know what I mean? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving! The show goes on! This is my home! They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. <laughs> They're going to need to send in the National Guard a fucking SWAT team, because I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Fuck them! I mean, let's face it. The socialists are coming for every red corner of every purple state and they are not leaving any rock unturned. If we want to end tyranny, we need to fight it right here, where we stand, and we need to destroy it. So if you want to come to California and help us fight this fight, or you want to relocate within California, but you want to live in a more conservative community than you already do, Orange County might be the place for you, and Chris Moreno is definitely the guy to help you do that. Chris and his team bust their asses for every one of their clients, from condos to oceanfront homes, bungalows to bayside, no matter what your criteria, Chris will work to get you and your family into the right place for you guys. Do you ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from hey. That's it. Forget it. Let's see. Hey, Tandoff. Now, look. Nice dress. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Let's, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I do.
Red Fang? Yeah. Dang, I haven't heard that in a long time. I know. I was just sitting around thinking about that video. Maybe the most epic video uh, in the, ever? No, not, probably not ever. For, for the budget they were given, I would say yes. What was their budget? I have no idea. It looked but, pretty but cheap. You tell, <laughs> well, at that time, they were on, I, I'm going to go, because uh, I'm, I'm a geek for all this stuff. They were on Relapse Records, if I remember correctly, and Relapse Records isn't exactly swimming in uh, pedophile major label music <laughs> money. <laughs> oh, you got to get that pedophile yeah. money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I and I think they made a parody video of like them getting a, uh, a, a a cash advance from oh yes yeah uh, which uh, which I think was their next video that was their, it might have been this one no it was the video was after it this, this one? one okay and yeah. uh, it was just how they were blowing the royalty checks that they were getting which were not yeah like large checks yeah and then they made a whole vi- they're probably real checks <laughs> that video both of those videos were excellent. I think they've kept it going. I think they kind of made a name for themselves. <laughs> is uh, I think they always really upped the bar. With the uh, with with the video ideas and production that they do, yeah, which know. is rad because Inu can be given a huge uh, man. Who was that? Uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Jared Leto decided he wanted to be in a screamo band, and uh, he, of course, he had you know pedophile major label money, and probably given you know a two million dollar budget to make a rock video, and it was just every CGI space effect, you know, top of the line producer, just all the yeah. nonsense. But you, what was right about those red, red fang videos is like somebody gave these guys 20 grand. I was like, just do whatever you want. Yeah. And they did, they made one of the most entertaining. They blew like, it on beer, essentially. Yeah. And number two, what's even better, which 30 seconds, Mar- 30 seconds to Mars can't tout, is that the song is also great. That, yeah. that first, that first red fang album, the first relapse album, they had EPs before that, but is an amazing album and the song that they did for that video like the song stands on its own so i haven't checked in with them in a while but it might be their best song it's up there it's definitely their most uh memorable catchiest yeah it's prehistoric dog yeah yeah Mm. that whole album that whole album's got some like pretty abstract like esoteric stoner rock on it yeah. that's really really good it's really good and i remember it's kind of funny because you and i were into different kinds of music and we i remember you and your buddy were listening to that because of the video yeah and i was like oh dude yeah i listen to these guys all the time and because i had just caught on to them too but i hadn't seen the video yet ah. and it made me like all i knew was the song yeah and then because i was at that time i was just big time into the stoner like sludge metal and yes i was working on a bunch of like music just heinous mudslide metal you know, yeah. coming coming down your throat. You fed me a bunch of uh, bands to listen to at that time. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, and I remember seeing that video. I was like, I love this band even more now. Like, this is genius. Sword is still a band I go back to. Oh, yeah, The Sword. Yeah, The Sword. Yeah. The, the Sword is is uh, that first album they did was, I think it's Trace Brujas. Right? And I think that's the name of the song. But that whole album is so good. And then just after that, it just tapered off. They kind of tamed it down a bit. I don't know, just kind of, kind of simple rock and roll, which not demeaning that by any means. Like ACDC sure. is one of the greatest bands of all time. But it's if you wanted that kind of heavy stoner rock, you know, 70s rock and roll, yeah, they kind of melded out a little bit. But You know what other band, uh, is it, were they called OK Go? Mm-hmm. 
that their that's what I was trying to think of. Or who made them? I was thinking of We Are Scientists, but it's okay, go. Yeah, that the video kind of made them. Yeah, with it because they did the original the treadmill video. That yes, syncopated. Yeah, so simple. I mean, yeah. well, how much did that video cost to make? Probably they probably bought those treadmills as under a thousand bucks. Yeah, and it was just a fantastic yeah video, and they never let up. Their right. music was you know good. Yeah, was, I liked their music, but it wasn't as good as their videos. Yeah, every video they put out was fantastic. Did you see the one that they did where it was like forty-eight hours long, all sped up? Really? And in sync with the song that they did? Jeez. Yeah, because they just and they they would do like that thing where they'd walk really slowly. Yeah. But when you speed it up, it looks like they're walking normally. For forty-eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe twenty-four, but still. Yeah, insane. I've quit bands because I didn't like the merch. Um, <laughs> you call that a t-shirt? I'm done. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> How many hours? Nah. nah, nah. <laughs> so uh, this came up recently. Taylor Swift has been in the news. Has she? Yes. My wife's friend told me this while we were visiting. Mm-hmm. Her album came out mm-hmm. recently just dropped okay all 10 songs on the album are about harry styles no okay filled up the top 10 slots on billboard's <laughs> top one uh, billboard's hot 100 really all 10 the top 10 spots hmm and i i like i struggled i think she told us that on the first day we were there and i struggled the whole weekend to wrap my head around what that means. Because mm-hmm. I'm not really a Taylor Swift fan. Are You're you? not? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it, I mean, maybe you could educate me. Most contractors that. are. But okay. <laughs> there you are on the fringe again. What does this mean about music? Okay, this is this is what I've come up with. Tell me what you think. Because I've, th- I've been thinking about this nonstop. Okay, it, I have, it, it I have just, an answer for this. It's blowing my mind that this yeah. is here. But this is what I think is happening. Okay, albums aren't really a thing. That's true. And the Billboard Hot 100, it pulls its sort. It's the sources for it are from Spotify, from radio plays, mm-hmm. uh, all the all the sources. So mm-hmm. it's by from what I can tell, it's legit. You might have another opinion on that, but it's it's legit that this is popular based on the, these mainstream criteria. Okay. Mm, okay. Go ahead. And. The, what's happening is that kids, people that that listen to music, people that um, people radio stations market to, are not in a we're not in the '80s or the '90s where albums come out and people gravitate to the album, they get the single, they listen to everything. Mm-hmm. So what happens is this thing comes out. Taylor Swift has been around for a long time; she has a lot of fans. And all of a sudden, when everyone else is very uh, diversified in their music taste and getting music on YouTube and getting uh, down to the minutia of some EDM group, some DJ that they love, um, and and not really focused on a genre or an art, an album or something, all of a sudden this like mega album comes out mm-hmm. and it just makes a big splash. 
and there's just no other way to tabulate. Uh, there's, there's no other draw that's going to actually draw people to an album or to a song like Taylor Swift. Am I? I feel like I'm not really making myself clear. Yeah, I'm not understanding the last part. Um, it's like there's there's a void, mm-hmm. and the the Billboard Hot 100 is like who gives a shit, mm-hmm. right? Because it's music is so diverse. Like who knows what kids are listening to? Mm-hmm. Everyone can anyone can have anything they want. I mean, it's it's the 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 dilution of what's available is just so extreme mm-hmm. right now. So there's this void. So the 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 graph of the Billboard Hot 100. It like when it goes up, it doesn't go up that high. It used to go up really high. The mm-hmm. peaks were really high peaks, and the valleys were low valleys. Now it's just kind of this mellowed out thing. And all of a sudden, this woman comes out with this album, and she has reach over uh, many generations of fans. It'd be like if the Rolling Stones came out with an album mm-hmm. right now. It would probably do the exact same thing because people aren't really into that form of of art anymore like mm-hmm. an album isn't anything so it's just this huge splash in a very shallow pond um i think with my experience with the music industry for what i know as far as the uh cd underbelly of that industry is that the labels who are owned by giant multinational uh just multimedia conglomerates it has nothing to do with music it has nothing to do with the quality of the song what it has to do with is the labels so it has to do with the contractual oblig- uh, obligations and the basically royalty arrangement that they have with the artists and major labels basically strike a deal with with major all the major radio stations and say like here's the hit it goes like this. You remember the old school? And so, do you think they're forced? Because I don't think people can be force fed as easily. I think anymore. so. I know. I disagree really? with Even that. Even on yeah. Spotify. So, and... do you do you remember the? Uh, the I'll old... tell you this. I, this is what it's not. Okay. It's not great music, and I <laughs> I know that because I was forced to listen to and it. And I thank for you for four days. <laughs> I thank you for building the foundation for the house I'm about to build. <laughs> uh, do you know the old school saying "sounds like a hit"? Yes. Do you know where that came from? No. That came from record executives going to radio stations back in the day, like in the 60s, is they would give them a 7-inch and an envelope, and they would shake it, uh-huh. and they'd hear uh. a money clip going back and forth that sounds like a hit. That's where that came from. Interesting. Yeah, there's like books written about this. Okay. So labels go to the radio station and go like, here, you know, we... They have a symbiotic relationship. Uh, I don't know, hypothetically, like our government and the military-industrial complex. You know, huh? Uh, we'll get to that later. I didn't. Yeah. Let's just stick it with Taylor Swift right That's now. That's a thing. So Taylor Swift and Zelensky. So they were part of the World <laughs> Economic Forum back in the day. <laughs> no, uh, they. Well, maybe you've heard of a guy named John Cochran. Okay, <laughs> Tom Cochran. Um, is they have uh, certain artists, and the artists have these horrific um, royalty arrangements with the record labels. We'll say like, hey, basically, if you give up X amount of royalties, like we'll we'll do. Uh, so, for example, one thing they do with artists is called a three sixty deal. Back in the day, they a record label took um, a cut of your record sales, and then people stopped buying records in what the early to mid two thousands or whatever. And so now, major labels would sign bands like we're doing a three sixty deal, and three sixty deal meant that we take a cut of your album sales, which is not that much. 
but we also take um, a cut of your merch sales when you're on tour, a cut of your live show pay, uh, anything you do. Like basically, you're your new, your new manager. A manager typically takes between 10 to 15% of mm-hmm. everything that a band does. Now the label's in on that too because they need to make up on all the money that they're not making you know, now to lack of record sales. Now, if you get a stubborn artist who might be amazing and say, like, no, I, my, my art stands on its own, uh, I'm not going to sign that deal, um, you will put up my albums, you can take a cut of my record proceeds, and that's it. Who do you think they're going to promote? That or the just fresh-faced kid out of, you know, Orange but County? Why? why is – I don't want to bore our listeners okay. with this conversation, but it's just curious to me – that why all of a sudden Taylor Swift is now given the keys, how how do you want to say it, that her album is so extreme, extremely popular, Mm -hmm. beyond like anything that anyone has ever done before or even thought of, that all the songs, the top, that just go down the list, the 10 songs are the top 10 songs. So are 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 you asking me why I think that album is so big? Is that that's what you're asking me, correct? Essentially, yeah. Okay. I mean, I have an answer in mind. That's okay. It's it's an amalgamation of two things. To the world, they have they have such a lucrative deal with her that it's worth it for them to promote. They go to the record to to the radio stations and say like, "This is this is the new hit or hits. This is what we're gonna play." Right. Number two, it works because you have to consider the fact the vast majority of people. They say they like music. They don't like music. They like familiarity. They like what's shoved down their throat. They want to hear yeah. all about that bass. This is such an amazing song. Play it over I mean, and fucking over and over and over <laughs> and over and over. That's that's who you're catering to. You got to think about most people. They think they're music fans that are actually not. No, I, I, you know, people say like, "Yo, Beatles is the greatest band of all time." That's, exactly. It's because you don't I mean, like music. You've never thought about it before. It's just the the jumping the shark moment of it is what is astonishing yeah. to me. And it's it reminds me of what the media is doing right now, if we can just transition into our actual show. Please do. Um, how it's like they, they've realized that they can get away with saying whatever they want, mm-hmm. and they'll just fucking say it. And people that I know and love and are related to me and may or may not have given birth to me at one time – uh, we'll just repeat it like it's just the God's honest truth. And you hear it and you're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. You can't possibly believe that. It strikes me as the same, just kind of like, you know what? Fuck it. You it, know, what are we doing fucking around with honesty and truth and making things believable? If we're going to lie, let's just lie and be fucking bold about it. It, it is. It is absolutely. You, you definitely hit on something there. It's absolutely part and parcel of the same cultural paradigm. It's the same kind of thought process. It's the same ideological like journey that gets people to that spot. It's you force feed. I don't feed want it. that to be like, the truth. All about that bass is a song. It's that a you good like. song. <laughs> all about the bass. <laughs> Just listen to it over and over. That is I the do. song you like. Yes. <laughs> Zelensky is a hero. Listen, yeah. Zelensky is a hero. Listen, COVID. Is the most deadly disease that we've ever faced. Russia attacked. Poland. I go outside. No, Zion. No, 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 no. Trust us. It. You know, get the get the jab. Over Rush, and over Russia and over. hates Polish pastures. Yeah, they want to blow them up. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess I don't want to believe it, but I think deep down, I kind of knew that was the 
That was mm-hmm. what's going on. And I tried really hard not to ruin the weekend by going saying that. How'd that go? To my wife's friend. Dude, I'm on prednisone. So I can see my dark passenger riding right next to me. I don't have to react anymore. I want to. I want to murder and destroy and I want to rule the world. Which honestly <laughs> I mean, no, hear me out. Could it would me ruling the world be that much worse than what we have now? I, I honestly think that if, if I was king of the world, we'd be all in a lot better shape. Dude, yeah, and I agree. You could put Carl from Caddyshack in charge of the world right now, and I think we'd have a better chance of what's going on. Yeah, you can't do worse. So, uh, what do you got? Um, I would like you to, want to play the start the show bumper. Yeah, sure. A little little palate cleanser from uh, all that talk about uh, Taylor. Good morning. Time to get up and go to work. So, I think we've already done this once before, but they, I think it's had a bit of a renewed energy because I looked into uh, some of the statistics of this, some of the stuff. And we had a call. This was back in March 26. Uh, 2022, our buddy Chris called in to the podcast and he made at the time what seemed not necessarily to us because we were pretty much open to anything of this ilk but the people that we showed it to um, I got quite a bit of pushback of people telling us uh, this was you know, conspiracy theory fringe, alt-right thinking um and I'm going to replay that call real quick. Here's what Chris said back in March of 2022. He said he, he took his glasses off, looked at the crowd and everybody, you know, it's dead silent. He said, I'm going to tell you something I probably shouldn't say. And then he caught himself. He's like, no, I'm not, I, I can't do it. Put his glasses back on. Took his glasses off. He's like, no, I'm going to tell you. He's like, I'll get in trouble for this, but I've got to tell you. And then caught himself again, looked at the crowd and said, all right, I'm just going to say it. I have... An inside source, high up, a high up official, who told me very, very seriously, um, start investing in funeral homes. And then he caught himself again, looked at us. He said, "That's all I'm going to say." He said, "I don't want to get in trouble, but it's related to the vaccine. Start investing in funeral homes." Do you remember your thoughts? Uh, when he came on the show and said that? Oh, well, I took his advice, went on my Robinhood app and invested it in funeral homes. Did you? I actually did, yeah. Which ones did you invest in? Uh, here, let me pull it up. Okay. So when he... he there's, there's like really big national companies that do yes. uh, funeral services. Correct. And that's, that's who I invested in. So I looked at... Uh, so what he was alluding to were, was inevitably making a connection to the vaccine and you know the the covid fuckery that we always talk about so i approached this as a yes carriage services yes so you did carriage services um i looked up i did this as a just a pure um kind of a meta analysis of financial analytics and we i looked up the biggest funeral home provider in north america which is called service corporation international 
So Chris said this in March 26 of 2022. Um, they are the nation's biggest provider of funeral cremation and funeral services. And I looked up their financial records, which are fairly easy to find. Uh, in 2021, so the vaccine, when was the vaccine available? I think it was available in... Well, mid- Trump was still in office because it was Operation Warp Speed. Yeah, so it had to be, uh, I have it down here. It was uh, it was made available for consumption four days later, uh, December 14th, 2020, is when the vaccine was made publicly available. Uh, Service, um, Service Corporation International, in 2021, they made over $500 million in profit. And that might be a somewhat esoteric number. You know, maybe that's business as usual for a giant corporation like that. Their stock is up over 15% since that 2021 earnings report. So you can look all this stuff up. If you go to their stock symbol, it is SCI. Yep. And here is, I want to, um, so their CEO, Thomas Ryan, after that earnings report came out, he had to give a conference call to their, his board of directors who was um, pleasantly surprised at their, um, I don't know, financial growth, I guess we can call it. Here's that. Here's part of that call with the uh, board of directors. And you, so what we would have expected is, why wouldn't we go back towards, uh, let's say, a 2019 level? Maybe you get a percent or so growth off 2019. I would expect that. What we're telling you is, the third quarter this year, we did 15% more calls than we did in the third quarter of 2019. That is not what anybody would have anticipated. So they're obviously uh, experiencing windfall unexpected profits as the nation's largest provider of funeral well, cemetery and cremation It's got to be just people dying from COVID-19, right? We're going to get there. Okay. So, oh, here, I want to add in a quick side note, actually. This is uh, apropos, not much, but right Hold up. On. Look at this. So go back to that, Mike. Mike just pulled up. There's actually an article uh, on AOL. Four stocks worth a look as funeral industry witnesses high demand. Just like an out in the open mainstream article. The funeral industry is witnessing high demand. Check out these stocks. Okay. You bloodthirsty monster, which I obviously am since I own stock and care services. Um, so to, to your question that you just asked. Wait a second. Does that make me a bad person that I actually am investing? In? No. Okay. No. I need to do some, some soul searching. It's um, So to your question, what did you just ask? It's because it, what is that that debt demand because of COVID, oh, but right. but their their profits. If you look at their their financial records on the New York New York Stock Exchange and what they were trading for, it all comes up after the. I mean, they have been going up, 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 up. Obviously, because of COVID. I'm not saying that COVID deaths don't exist, but then they begin to skyrocket or at least keep going up after the vaccine was available. Yeah, I'm going to get to that point here in a little bit. It's the so for the, for the people that want to say it's a, it's the same kind of argument is um, okay I don't want to go there yet oh look at look at it like a uh, look at this here's a timeline the COVID vaccine the COVID vaccine was approved under the Emergency Use Authorization Act on December 10th 2020 right and in, as in um, under that Emergency Use Authorization Act that means that they were able to skirt all safety 
standards and protocols, right? Correct. It means this is emergency. This is also like, I don't want to get like too out in the mire, but this is why there was such a war against like ivermectin and all the other right. like, alternative drugs, because the only way that you can get something um, approved under the EUA is there, this, uh, there only has to be one option. If you have any other alternatives, they can't approve it under the EUA. Mm. So there's this massively propaganda, um, coordinated propaganda campaign to wipe out, you know, Joe Rogan is horse to warmer, right? Because if you know if there's anything else available, then you can, it couldn't be approved, right? So after it was made available for cons- consumption on December fourteenth, we had Thomas Ryan addressing the investor board on February fifteenth, twenty twenty two, two years after the vaccine was publicly available. This is what he said. Today, we are proud to report fourth quarter earnings per share of $1.24 and adjusted earnings per share of $1.17. Hey, blah, 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 blah. We continued to experience elevated levels of funeral services, burials, and pre-need sales against a robust customer spend. This earning report goes on to show the projections for 2022. Looking ahead, our expectations for adjusted earnings per share for the full year of 2022 have improved from the $2.80 we provided last quarter on our earnings call to a midpoint of $3. So they are projecting their earnings to pretty much double in 2022 based on the projections of 2021, which they have. And if you look at the projections at 2022 and if you look at their stock earnings and their stock price, they're pretty much on track to do that. So I looked up the share price on New York Stock Exchange. If you go back to March 18th, 2020, so three months after we began our giant injection frenzy, you know, when they made the uh, COVID shot publicly available, coupled with the largest propaganda campaign in world history, their share price was $34.86. Today, that stock price sits at $71.14. It has doubled. Right. Um, it's well, go ahead. Okay. So let's just ask a few questions. I'm going to roll over some statistics here. Okay. (laughs) So currently the estimated population in the U S who have had at least one shot is 79, 79%, which is about 263 million people. The percentage of people who are considered fully vaccinated, which is a definition that was changed by the uh, CDC is about 68%. What does that mean? Does that mean two shots or you're current on your boosters? Two shots, it means. So fully vaccinated is two shots. Yeah. Or Johnson & Johnson's shot, which is a one shot. That's their definition of fully vaccinated. So Johnson Johnson would be one shot and two boosters. Okay, so the so, boosters matter Yeah. In, in, for the definition yeah, yeah. of fully vaccinated. Yeah. There's just people that have drunk the Kool-Aid and done yeah. all so, that they're told to do. So Yeah, they're, so, uh, okay, we can go there. So what's interesting is think you, about... Wait, I'm sorry, did not, could okay. you go back and tell me the... I want to wrap my head around the percentages. Sure. The statistics. Uh, currently, the estimated population in the U.S. have had at least one shot is 79%, which is which would be roughly 263 million people. And people that have gone full hog, totally done everything they're supposed to do. Fully vaccinated. The According to the CDD, the CDC, who changed the definition, the percentage of people who are considered fully vaccinated is about 68%, just over 224 million people. What? Really? Yeah. So... Almost as many people that were have one shot also have the full spectrum. Uh, by uh, by a gradient of about twenty million people, yeah. Huh. 
And that, I, but, but, I had, but, I had but that is, that is, that is, that is according to the CDC's changed definition of what it means to be fully vaccinated. And that definition is boosters up to date, which would be, right, to my so, knowledge, is two boosters after two shots or the one shot with a Johnson and Johnson. Haven't they come out with like a booster for uh, all think, the different variants? I think they have more recommended shots, but yeah, I can't keep they they I keep just, cha- they keep changing the definition. And I it's almost I'm, impossible. To keep I'm not trying to quibble with what no 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 you found. No, no, this, just my we should, my, my we understanding. I don't know where I saw it. Maybe Mike can find something. Mike, I thought that I read somewhere that the people that had gotten one shot was around eighty percent, like mm-hmm. you said, and then it quickly like dropped off. People that had been boosted and just said "fuck it," like my neighbor across the street who he got one shot and he's like, "Why did I ever do that?" And yeah, never, never went back. I thought there were a lot more people like that. In the colloquial sense, that has been my experience from the people that I know. Go back to that, Mike. Mike just pulled up a uh, statistic here that uh, so that th- those are right there. Those are the exact statistics that I have: seventy nine percent and sixty eight percent. Yeah, but it's saying 33% of the population have received a booster dose. See, we'd have to... What's the, I, we need the definition of fully vaccinated. Right. I think fully vaccinated might be that you've gotten either the Johnson & Johnson. Can you look that up, Mike? Does fully vaccinated mean that you've gotten one Johnson & Johnson <clears throat> shot or two of the Moderna and Pfizer shots? Or all three. If you get all three, then I believe you get like a plaque. <laughs> that you can put in your house and it's in your heart and it stops you and you fucking drop dead on your fucking they walking your dog plaque, they put it on your gravestone <laughs> you want to go via there's got to be someone out there that's done that <laughs> so while mike looks us up uh looks that up is uh i wanted to bring this up so we're all the people that are housing you for not taking the shot you know it's not a vaccine. Another reminder. It's one of two things. So, given the the business trajectory of the largest afterlife care company, which would be Service Corporation International, I think it's fair to say that like their numbers, their you know their barometer, their metrics of business, their financial records are somewhat of an accurate barometer of deaths, unless fucking. Yeah, There's been not- this new trend that I missed that people are having <laughs> cremations and funerals for that's no reason. The new, it's the new definition <laughs> yeah. of death. Is, Tide uh, pods? No, yeah. no, no. That was like a couple of years no. ago. Yeah, we're, I, we're I, cremating I, our friends and throwing funerals for no reason. You're, what you're missing is that people can now identify as dead. Yeah. And so they throw a funeral and the whole so, world. So what, again, what I'm getting at is I'm answering the very first question you posed when I brought this up. And so given that this represents death rates, one of two things has to be true. If this spike in profits began three months after the COVID shot was made available to the public and their profits have continued to skyrocket since it has to be one of two things. Number one, the shot obviously does not work given the current rates at which the population took it. Right, meaning COVID is killing people. Number two, the shot is killing people. Or the shot is killing people. <laughs> yes, there's only... There's only because stu- these are all stu- excess deaths, yeah, obviously. St- stupid or dumb? Which yeah. one are you picking, people? If there weren't There's only ex- two, two choices here. If there weren't excess deaths, these companies would not be seeing excess profits. Yes. It's very, very basic. Yes. Math. And if you look at their financial records given to when the shot was available, it's, it's, it's simple math. All the stuff you can, you can look up. Yeah, it's you look up the SEI financial records. Look it up on Robinhood. Yeah, just type in SEI okay, so- New York Stock Exchange. It'll show you the rates, and then then type in when was the shot available in December of 2020. So it's- pick your poison. 
What yeah. is it? That COVID is wiping people out still. Yeah. And the vaccines are of no use. Or the vaccines are killing people. Yeah. It's up to you. And if you think that the that COVID is still killing people, I don't think you've been paying attention. It's like, it is not a thing. Mm-hmm. The president of the United States said that the pandemic was over. I know he wasn't allowed to say that, but he did blurt that out a few months ago. <laughs> pandemic is over. No, what he meant was that we all have to lock down and take shots. Uh, just, just, just to refer to our last pa- our last podcast, I cannot listen to anything Joe Biden says and not like <laughs> if I don't have the laugh track afterwards. I'm like I'm not <laughs> interested in this. Dude, we got some props on Instagram. <laughs> this guy wrote me and said, "Oh my god, I was crying laughing during." <laughs> Did you listen to that, Mike? Uh, no, I was. I got a bunch of texts from friends. Right, <laughs> that was that was genius. When I set out to make that, I didn't know it was going to actually be funny. I came, I came home from training, and my actually my wife was standing in the kitchen, like cracking up. Went, What's going on? She goes, "I'm listening to what uh, Kelly did with a Biden comedy show." <laughs> so let's. So that. So what we were talking about right there is um, funeral services, right, and crematoriums and cemetery services. Um. Let's look at the other end of the spectrum. What industry would be negatively affected by an unexpected wave of excess mortality rates? Okay. And what would it be? Life insurance. Yeah. Lincoln National Corporation, which is on the other end of the spectrum, one of the biggest uh, insurance companies in in the country. taking it in the nuts. Yeah. They took an unexpected 2.5. Two point one billion dollar loss in their life insurance division, which caused their stock to take a forty percent dive. If you want to double check that, their stock symbol is LNC. If you look at their price in December of twenty twenty one, this would be a full year after the shot was made to the public. And you got to think about people start dying. You know, you're not filing a life insurance claim probably the next day, and your paperwork it gets mired in. Like the timeline seems to make sense. Their stock price sat at just over sixty eight dollars. Today on the New York Stock Exchange, it sits at $34.16. It's a perfect fucking inverse yeah. of Service corporate service, uh, um, service Corporation in, yeah. in, in International. Right. It's their, their, their stock doubled. Lincoln, Lincoln uh, National Corporation was cut in half. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such silly math. It makes you think, like, I feel like, am I in a movie right now? Like, this has to be, like, are they, they're putting out, it's like Ralphie in uh, the Christmas story with the, the Ovaltine coder. Like, we're going to make it super easy, you know. Yeah. Drink more Ovaltine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so that's not the story, right? The story isn't that people are dying. No. The story is that no one's talking about it. Right. Correct. Right? And if, if it was COVID, they'd be talking about it. Because the biggest wet dream of an authoritarian government, like the world every western every civilized country in the world is living under is to completely subjugate people and control them Mm -hmm. that's what governments do Mm -hmm. they would be using these excess deaths to their advantage but instead they're not talking about it and i want to make i want one conclusion in my yeah and i want to make a note here i know like i got deep deep baseball on just all these like stock statistics and life insurance you know quotas and financial records and 
I don't know. It just made me think after like I kind of was going through everything, you know, when we started talking about this is, you know, for those of you listening that, you know, you might be wondering, like, Jesus, what does this guy do? Like put his family to bed, kiss him goodnight, and then go and like look over financial records of life insurance companies and compare them to like COVID, st- you know, statistical data. And like, yeah. Yes. Right. Yes, That's I do. That do. is what I do. <laughs> I only sleep four hours a night. This is what I do with my time. If you could snap your fingers and change that so that you got like seven hours of sleep every night, because I know you suffer from insomnia and it, yes. it can't be fun. Would you Would you take the seven hours? Do I look happy to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I actually, I love this stuff. I love like looking at this stuff. It is. I'm surprised you get four hours. The way you talk about your insomnia, it seems like you get one. <laughs> so... Um, I want to bring just a little brevity of this situation, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to make this a new segment, but I um, just want to pitch something to you guys. Just relax. like to hear the top 10 fears of americans in 2022 yes i found this how many were pulled for this every american you didn't get it okay everyone but you (laughs) okay mike wants to know my fears taking polls mike wants to know uh the methodology here uh i don't know but it's from chapman university um and as we all know they do great uh surveys um, the number one, the number one fear. So actually it, it actually does matter. The, the answer to your question, Mike, let me just read this. It says the survey is a nationally representative sample. If we take their word for it, then, uh, we can assume that they were being scientific about this. The number one fear, corrupt government officials. Really? were very afraid or afraid. Are you serious? Yeah. That is astounding to me. I never would have guessed that. When I read that first one, I thought, well, okay, this is that kind of poll where like all the answers are going to be, you know, somehow they asked the question in a way that was politically kind of motivated or awkward. But when I started looking into the rest of the answers, I don't think so. Because number two is people I love becoming seriously ill. That's behind. Wow. Corrupt government officials. Huh. Oh. Number three, Russia using nuclear weapons, 
Why would they do that? I mean, someone would have to provoke them to start using nuclear weapons. Yeah, like some farmer in Poland or something. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. It's like a day ago. Uh, number four, people I love dying. Number five, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Number six, pollution. Seems like a lot of these can be conflated into the... Uh, the same question. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Number six, pollution of drinking water. What? <laughs> they took this poll yeah. in Michigan. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys missed the fucking boat on that one. Number seven, not having enough money for the future. Hmm. That one I can relate to. <laughs> yeah. Somehow that one strikes That's a chord. higher on the list. Number eight, economic financial collapse. Oof, that one's up there for me. Those two are tied, by the way. Yeah. Number nine, pollution, again, of oceans, rivers, and lakes. And number 10, biological warfare. Biological warfare is the only one that doesn't really resonate too much with me. All the other ones. Yeah. I, can, I mean, how would you get biological warfare in a time like this? I mean, you'd have to have I like mean, a... I mean, we are, we are already sort of embroiled in that, biological warfare. They have poison our drinking water. They have poison our food supply. I think what they mean though is like some like really no, like yeah, fantastical no, I, idea of like a, a lab, yeah, that no, was like a, like a dirty like a virus or something, to, oh, like uh, to oh, s- dude, some like gain of function, God, yeah, yeah, yeah some, okay. something crazy. All right, like, dude, this isn't a, like this isn't a Marvel movie, okay? <laughs> like, can we just stick to reality? <laughs> Jeez. Um, I was actually scrolling through polls for whatever reason. I was trying to just. Like, my favorite conspiracy theory uh, quote that I saw today is my favorite. My favorite part of being a conspiracy theorist is not having myocarditis. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. <laughs> um. So contrast that. Actually, let me read you one more poll real quick. Okay. Um, a survey on political violence. Let's see who is this by. Oh, yeah. I want, to talk, I want to talk about this. UC Davis. Yeah. Have you heard about this poll? Uh, no, but I remember okay. you mentioned it earlier, and then um, it, it kind of spurned an idea that I've been kind of rattling around my head in a, in a statistic that I heard earlier this week. Okay. So I have, I have another poll after this that, uh, in my mind, contradicts what we hear here, or mm-hmm. at least or maybe, maybe clarifies okay. in, in, a, in a way. So some key findings from those surveyed. 67.2% of Americans perceive that there is a serious threat to our democracy. 67, okay. I'm not going to quibble on the use of the word democracy. Mm-hmm. Not today. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. 50.1% agree that... You, you don't want me to play the part of the autistic libertarian. Like, oh, what <laughs> well, happened? I have you know we don't live in a democracy. It's actually a. Uh... 50.1% agree that in the next several years there will be a civil war in the United States. 50? 50.1%. The majority. Dang. What a civil war. No pun means? intended, but that, yeah, that is the majority. <laughs> <laughs> that would be mob rule. That means. We're having a uh, civil war. I'm not going there, Matt. You're not going to rope me into the democracy debate. 42.4% agreed that having a strong leader for America is more important than having a democracy. That is interesting. They just want me to quibble. Because 
I could agree with that. If you replace democracy with a constitutional republic or a representative republic right. idea, then having a democracy, mob rule, as you pointed out, yeah, I could 100% agree with that, that having a strong leader is more important than having mob rule. Who could argue with that? Yeah. 41.2% agreed that in America, native-born white people are being replaced by immigrants. That's irrefutable. It, it's, it's not true if you mean that we're deporting native-born white people and replacing them with immigrants. That's not happening. Wait, say that again? If what you mean by replaced, the word replaced, mm-hmm. is that we're deporting native-born oh, okay. white people. <laughs> All right. Okay, so <laughs> we're then, arguing over semantics. And then you're taking a immigrant and putting them in their house and they're, to raise their kids gotcha. and walk their dog. Gotcha. Then that's not happening. So what you're we saying? We can agree on that. Okay. So I'm putting too much cream in my coffee. I'm still getting the same amount of caffeine. <laughs> it's just pork cream. Exactly. And those aren't color metaphors. Everyone calling the fuck down. Oh my god, you're so racist. Forty-one point two percent agree that in America, native-born white people are being replaced by immigrants. I mean, from a demographic statistical perspective, that is that number should be one hundred percent. Immigrants have more sex. Is there any other way to? <laughs> Is that any new hip-hop song you were putting out? <laughs> Is that a dig at Catholics? <laughs> Is there any way to put that that makes that not true? That in America, native-born white people are being replaced by immigrants? Besides what I said about deporting white people? I mean, is there any other way to look at that and say that that's false? Like, what am I missing? Wait, what, well, you're, I you're, like you're, you're approaching it from the perspective, the perspective of a delusion, right? Yeah. They're importing. That's how I see it, yeah. Yeah. But what is there another perspective that makes that statement false? Well, there's the dilution, and then there's the reproduction. It makes rate. it makes this it makes the statement false if you are arguing with a semantic of replacing one for one, or you know, bringing in X amount of people from Guatemala, for example, and X male people, white people move out. Whatever those fucking terms mean, by the way. But but they wouldn't move out. It's a dilution issue still in that case. So what did you? So, what were you? So we, we what we have to do is do we agree that dilution is replacement? Right. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a semantic thing. And Mike was talking about re- reproduction. Well, in terms of demographics, the U.S. population would be in decline if it wasn't for immigration. So yes, people are immigrating Great into point. the United States and. They typically have bigger families. Well, I'm saying that I haven't. Well, even that's, if they that's weren't, still the, that's still the argument about dilution, though. Even if they weren't, if the public, if the population of native-born Americans was in decline, and we, in addition to that, had immigrants coming into the country, that is dilution. A replacement. Replacement. <clears throat> dilution. Nice. So I think we agree that dilution is replacement, but then it gets even more ridiculous is that this is why I hate conversations based on just quote unquote race. They're just so fucking silly to me. It's so what do we, what do we, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by race? Is it people from Mexico? Right. It's they're kind of white. It's kind of like half white maybe. Or is it people from South America? They're slightly darker. Like, what do we do? Do we take like a pigment test when they walk in? That's mm-hmm. why, I, like, I, I hate these fucking conversations. They hold no water. It it just make it never makes any sense to me whatsoever. Well, I mean, if they just swam across the Rio Grande, they hold water. On, I could swim across the Rio Grande backs. right now. Yeah, <laughs> going the other way. Does that make you a wetback? 
in Mexico? If my back's wet, if you I mean, swim what, what do we to do? Mexico, that's you're technically a wetback. <laughs> All right, moving on. Eighteen point seven percent agreed strongly or very strongly that violence or force is needed to protect American democracy when elected leaders will not. Uh, dude, I hate to do this. You have to go pee. No, do okay. that one more time. No, th- this one. I'm 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 really interested. In so, eighteen point seven percent agreed strongly or very strongly that violence or force is needed to protect American democracy when elected leaders will not. Man, that is a loaded fucking question. No pun intended, brother. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Locked. <laughs> um. I I almost okay. So we're using uh, democracy as a very abstract umbrella term. American democracy. American democracy, which means which is I not a thing, what, yeah. by the way. Um, the my my intuition. It seems like that question was written like, "Hey, brother, do you want American democracy? And if our leaders aren't going to do it, are you willing to pick up a gun? Yeah. Fuck yeah." It, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, my intuition yeah. is to say yes. It's like because if you if I am to conflate uh, conflate the notion of American democracy with my value system and uh, the ideas of freedom and liberty and community and family values, then yeah, absolutely. But I, someone else might define those terms in a completely like antithetical manner. It's interesting. That the number is only eighteen point seven percent. So I think. It, it says most people agree with us. I think a lot of people would, would re- read that. Most people would read that question and say, that's kind of a you know weird yeah. concept. And probably it's not worded right. No, I don't necessarily think we need violence. Eight, 20% of people agree with it. I mean, it's... It's a minority and... Small I'm, minority. I, I'm reading that as 80% <clears throat> of the population are apathetic. They wouldn't stand up. Correct. To defend the country. That's but, the way I'm reading that. Except that the question, I didn't doubt the question was, would you stand up to defend America? Hmm. You know, it was, it, anyways. I, I, I quibble with the question in general. Let's move on. 20.5% think that political violence is at least sometimes justifiable in general. Another tricky one. And also love. Yeah. So it, it says to me that people are not really... Uh, motivated by political violence, which is kind of cool. Um, typically, okay. I mean, typically in my experience, that political violence is always executed by the what the ten percent fringe on either side. And what we've seen is, I think, an explosion of that on the left because it has become politically expedient to accept that and embrace it. Actually, we saw that um, in the George Floyd riots. And that's just kind of kept on going. You go into any major urban center right now, Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, New York. Um, we are seeing the kind of wrath of that movement that has just um, increasingly moved and destroyed those cities. So, Okay. Uh, I'm just going to keep beating this horse because this is interesting to me. Mike, pull up uh, a Brookings study about uh, Americans broadly support teaching about most controversial topics in the classroom. 
So this is fascinating to me. Um, in a world where we think that most Democrats uh, think about educating their kids in a very specific way and most Republicans think about it in a very opposite way, this study shows that we're actually pretty aligned on these things. And maybe that last study did too, especially with those last two where people were like, no, I'm not going to, you know, you're trying to, you know, cope me, coax me into picking up guns and, and committing violence to uh, defend what I think is right in America. Here's this study that shows that it's actually very popular in America amongst parents to want to teach children about difficult, controversial ideas. They think that children should be exposed to these ideas in a classroom. So uh, this first figure shows agreement on civic education topics high school students should learn. Critical thinking. The 90, almost 100% of Democrats and almost 100% of Republicans believe that children should be taught critical thinking. Should children be taught the U.S. economy? Almost the exact same numbers. Slavery? Almost the exact same numbers. So can we go back to the first? What, if I if I put, on, put on someone else's hat right now, what would be the argument against, I don't, would you say the first question about critical thinking is between 90, 90 something percent? I what, think that if you had asked me what these two numbers came out to before I read this poll, uh-huh. I would think that the red line would be near 100% and the blue line wouldn't be. Why do you think that is? So, like, let me, like, pretend, jump behind enemy lines in your mind. Because kids are not taught that in school. And so the difference is that people think they should be taught that. Parents think they should be taught that. Mm -hmm. But the schools aren't actually teaching it. Okay. And since the schools are indoctrination camps for Democratic um, leaders, Mm -hmm. Democratic elites, trying to turn our kids into socialists... Mm -hmm. I would have assumed that parents were in line with that because most people just are in line. With also the went schools. to the same schools. Yes, exactly. Have been brainwashed under the same system. Turns out parents actually want their kids to be taught critical thinking. It's the schools that aren't doing it. Uh-huh. Parents want their kids to be taught about the economy. They want to be taught about slavery. They want people, kids to be getting involved in local politics. You go down the list. Uh, contributions of women, people of color. Contributions of our founding fathers. It's it's all really, really high. Parents want this stuff to be taught. I don't think it's actually being taught. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get down to the bottom, pro-choice position, of course, the blue line way out matches the red line, right? Mm-hmm. Re- Republicans don't want kids being taught about pro-choice. Right. Republicans don't want kids being taught about gay rights. So, g- wait, go back to the... Would, would, go back to the, the pro-choice rights... Which one yeah. is that? I'm not okay, fine. so pro-choice. Okay, position. there you go. Um, so you have only sixty. So I think I think that's something that we we should parse out though, because that that could be pretty easy. Like to depending on your ideology and your kind of bias that you have, that that one would, that could be pretty easily to to misconstrue because you could be looking at that 
and saying, and like, no, I want my kid to be taught this specific narrative. This is what, where the right, you know, the traditional conservative right usually has a problem is, uh, we talked about this with, uh, a lot of the gender stuff, especially with the, um, reverse Wade stuff. It's like, no, I don't want you to talk about my kids. Talk to my kids about this at all. That is our job. We will deal with that. Like you deal with these subjects. This is very like personal. Like we have a very like strong feelings on this or, you know, could be religious based, could be whatever. This is, this is where things kind of get lost in the mire with some of these subjects that I found. Totally. Okay. So take, for example, slavery, both are above 90%. Democrats and Republicans want their kids to be taught about slavery. But then you go down to racial inequality, and you only have 72% of Republicans wanting to be taught, but almost the same number of Democrats wanting to be taught. That's because, just like you were saying, racial inequality is a value judgment on uh, racism, racialism, race. Mm -hmm. Slavery is not. Slavery is a historic fact that is right. important to teach kids. And so as soon as you start getting down into all of these things, racial inequality, uh, pro-choice, gay rights, sexual orientation, trans rights, those are all – that's when Republicans all fall off and the Dems – I see it like tabering off, yeah. Yeah. You know, for whatever a Democrat or Republican opinion is worth in something like this, I don't know that it's a great way to, to divide people up, but – um, it did strike me as surprising though, that the vast majority of parents want kids to be taught really tough ideas. They want kids mm-hmm. to be, to, to think about things like, um, slavery and, uh, economics, things that aren't actually taught critical thinking just above all else. Right. Um, and I found that so lately transition here. My mom and I got in an epic knockdown drag out argument mm-hmm. the other night. Mostly due to the fact that I'm on prednisone and I'm just <laughs> am yelling at random strangers in the street. <laughs> Which, if anyone wants to buy some prednisone from me, I think I might become a dealer. It is a miracle drug. Um, I was pretty uh, astounded by what I saw the other, uh, scrolling around Twitter the other day. Mm-hmm. This isn't a headline from NPR's Twitter page and i'll i'll get back to why this why this <laughs> relates usually leads to something so good what is npr it's supposed to be a a news outlet right it's supposed mm. to be objective just like the rest of them are but with npr it's public right we pay for it it should be if any of them are going to be objective the one that every american pays for you would think they would have a little bit of decency and try to be some kind of balance objective yeah right I mean, they're getting money from Republicans or right-wingers, and then they're using that money to just completely just trash objectivity. It's, no. it's really sad. So here's the headline. Breaking. 
Donald Trump, who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election <laughs> and inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol in a desperate attempt to keep himself in power, has filed to run for president again in 2024. Uh, deadly riot. Deadly riot. God dang. Who died? Who died? Well, those four cops died. No, not that day. They died later on with like oh. strokes and suicide. Well, um, it was definitely the, the, the good guys who died. There was no protesters who died. Uh, I'm pretty sure the only person that died was Ashley Babbitt, who was one of the protesters who was killed by a, one, a, an by honest, one of the cops. A, who was defending himself from her because she was armed. No, I don't think she was actually. Well, she was yelling. We're, okay. She had it coming, Matt. All right. She, That's what okay. I'm getting at. Okay. okay. So it was deadly. We can agree to that. God. All right. Well done, NPR. How is that fucking headline? I mean, it, could it be any more? It's that's what I was saying earlier about jumping the shark. It's just they've just totally thrown in the towel. Yeah. Right. And people that listen to that—that's their source of media—are completely. They just have the wool pulled over their eyes. They just com- they buy it. They com- they completely believe everything that they hear. And the reason that I brought up this argument with my mom is that she just said. I told her that I went to visit Tennessee and she asked, well, why did your, why'd you go to Tennessee? We visit our friends. Why did, why did they want to move to Tennessee? Well, they just wanted to live in a more conservative place. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they're going to, they're going to get conservative. You, you know, that's a great place to be if you want to be conservative. They banned teaching slavery to children <laughs> in schools in Tennessee. You know that, right? And I was like, really? They banned Mom, the can, teaching of slavery. Mom, can we talk about this when the mushrooms wear off? Do you, <laughs> I said, do you do you really believe that? Does that I mean, that doesn't sound crazy to you? That's totally crazy. So after a long, like drawn out this battle, I finally get out of her that it, it, she found this article that was an opinion piece on the Tennessean, <laughs> right? That said that uh, the this, that slavery. Or no, that uh, now in Tennessee, you can no longer teach um, black history. Black history is not. And I'm like, Mom, that's an opinion piece. It has no grounding in reality. It's completely just someone's made up. Mom, did you read the article? No. So, no. Turned out she didn't know anything about what what's actually happening is... Um, they banned critical race theory, teaching critical race theory yes. in Tennessee, which if you don't know. Those are two di- very, very different things. Yeah. They still one teach is history, one is teach, Marxism. Yeah. George Washington Carver and Harriet Tubman, they still teach black history. What they don't teach is that everything that ever happened to you is a result of your race. So if anything bad happened to you, it's because you're black. And if, if you're white and anything good happened to you, it's because you're white. Right. But- People cannot discern that because they're being fed what's not even being cloaked in a a, a picture of objectivity anymore. They've completely given up on that and are just feeding people just all this bullshit. And it's ruining my relationship with my mom. Yeah. So I'd appreciate if they stopped. This reminds me of uh, I was on a group text with two of my old bosses, and it was during the we were right in the middle of the COVID pandemic, 
And I just said, I, I made some word about being like a fake pandemic or whatever. And he was all in. Like he, he just watches MSNBC and CNN all day. He flipped out. And he was saying, like, I can't believe, like, you really do believe this is fake. I'm like, no, I just, I don't believe something, I, I don't believe, I, I'm not going to believe in the power of a pandemic when it has a 99 point, you know, at that point, I think I said 7% survivability rate. Like, you, you don't shut down the world for something like that. And he sent me an article. He said, you're wrong, do some research. And the headline said, for those of you that saying, you know, there is a 99% survivability rate, like here's why, you know, here's, here's the flaw in your logic or whatever. I'm like, cool. Oh, I sweet. click on it. Yeah, and what it was, it was a, it was a complete emotional piece. In the first paragraph, ah. it said like, okay, it is very true that this virus has a 99% survivability rate. But think about that. In the first and, paragraph. And, and yeah, and the numbers of the people, what that actually means is, you know, X amount of people, blah, 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 blah. And I wrote, I wrote back to him like, hey, Dick, read the fucking article before you send it to me. Exactly. Like, all you're doing is proving the point that I had because we have been going on for like two days. I'm like, this is what I've been saying. I'm like, I'm not saying it's something that we laugh at, that we something that we don't have to worry about. What I'm saying as, if you're, as far as sheer numbers and to the destruction that we're causing to the economy and the kids and small businesses, it's not worth it in the end. Like, you are proving my point. Read the fucking article. I was so pissed. I'm like, read your fucking article before you send it. And like, it's so obvious. Like, you were sending headlines to me. This is what what you're, the story you're telling me right now very much reminds me of. Exactly. Yep. And it's a, it's an, there's an epidemic of uninformed people. I actually got the criticism during this argument that, oh, you know, why do you always have to be the smartest person in the room? I was like, well, I'm not. You- I'm average intelligence. The problem is. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't, you raised me to be very smart. Like, didn't you want me to be smart? Like, why is this, why is that a problem? Like, I'm sorry that I'm informed on the, on the topics, but like, I don't know. I think that, uh, most people don't do the research. Most people don't have time and that's fine, but it's just so easy. Like I was saying in one of the previous podcasts to manipulate people now. And people are just so sure that they they have the right answer. It's just too, it's too bad. It's uh, it's enough to make you want to leave. By the way, I I can't leave California. No, you can't. I can't do it. It's just there's too much work to do. I'd feel like such a quitter if I did. Um, yeah, as my wife had put it, we had talked about we were planning to leave the state a couple of years ago. Um. California, who now is was in one of the largest uh, surpluses in the entire country, is now looking at a twenty nine dollar, twenty nine billion dollar deficit this yeah. coming year. But we, we are going a- to give transgenders um, UBI this month as an experiment in San Francisco. Really? Yes. Wow. Um, right in time for the uh, CBDC that's being <laughs> experimentally rolled out in New York. But as my wife had put it. Um, who's smarter than I am, and I appreciate that every day. And she said, "Why should you leave? This is your home, and this is why we started Liberty Tree is to stand for the values and the things that we believe in. I know they are heinously Im- like unpopular where we live, but now we are making these networks in places like Orange County and San Diego. We're going to have this kind of statewide network, 
And it is very exciting to see, just to network with other people that believe the things that we do.